Hi, I'm Jacqueline Kinser, and for the past five years, I've been helping families all around the globe to overcome their breastfeeding challenges. And this is the first non-clinical breastfeeding podcast that shows you how to rock breastfeeding and master motherhood through practical tips, mindset shifts, and honest conversation to create a confident and empowering breastfeeding journey. This is the Breastfeeding Talk Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Breastfeeding Talk Podcast. I am here today with not just one special expert guest, but two. And I'm super excited to have Kimmy Nishimoto and Megan Van Noy. They are both online myofunctional therapists. And yes, we will talk about what that is. And they are the hosts of the Munch Bunch Myo podcast, where they talk about myofunctional disorders, airway issues, sleep disordered breathing treatment, swallow correction, and tongue ties. So welcome to the podcast, both of you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks. We're excited. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, we're super excited to be here. So um, we're excited to talk, you know, about kind of how we all kind of interconnect and can work together. Yeah, me too. And, you know, some listeners might know, I I have um, talked about it a little bit here and there in some episodes. I am also trained in oral facial myology, but I don't really do that as anything primary in my practice. I use it with the babies I work with. So for those of those listeners out there who don't know, what is myofunctional therapy? What, What do you guys do exactly? Yeah, so uh, myofunctional therapy is what I kind of tell people on the street after they give me like a crazy look is <laughs> basically it's like physical therapy for your oral facial muscles. So like your face, mouth, tongue. Um, and what I always kind of tell people is my goal is to have those muscles working for you versus working against you. And we do that by teaching people functional exercises and helping them really learn how to breathe, speak, chew, swallow, and just function better and actually kind of function optimally like we're all meant to and how we are born to supposed to be able to do that. And for a handful of different reasons, totally probably different episode, but a handful of different reasons why we don't do that and some of the habits that we develop uh, to kind of compensate for those things. So uh, Kimmy and I have a blast teaching people, you know, these exercises. And really it's not just exercise and exercise based, but it really is function based and working with people on that function. So you always get to start off for us <laughs> um, with what you do, Jacqueline, that way it gets a lot easier when, you know, kids come to see us or hopefully they don't even need us after they've been working with you. So yeah, that's, that's always my hope. Uh, and I tell people, but sometimes I get people with, you know, older children or adults for themselves who are realizing that their oral function isn't up to par. And sometimes some things that will tip them off when I'm describing what I'm hoping to see in their babies, like the tongue should be resting against the palate. And then they'll be like, oh, mine's at the floor of my mouth or mm-hmm. pushing up against my teeth. And, you know, I'm like, well, that's actually not the optimal position for your tongue. Or sometimes they'll just tell me funny things. And I've heard so many things over the years. I'll just say a short little list, I guess, of, you know, snoring is definitely one where, 
you know, or sleep apnea where people feel like they wake up and they're kind of choking on their tongues. I've had that described to me. But even people who feel like they just have all this excess saliva that pools in their mouth and they're constantly swallowing. Uh, And so there's just sometimes odd little things like that that you hear or people that will say, gosh, I sure do get hiccups a lot or... um, That's good. That's me. (laughs) Is it? (laughs) Every day. (laughs) So there's always something, right? And and I've gone down my own journey of of learning and, and, and doing the therapy for myself. And I realized, wow, there's not very much room for my tongue, which explains why it was never really in the right place. And at the end of the day, it might be pretty swollen from banging up against my teeth if I was talking a lot. And so there's a lot of things that I think people might recognize in themselves, but you know, what do you see are some of the most common issues, you know, no matter what age group that you're working with? Gosh, I mean, you hit a lot of them, uh, you know, and Kimmy, I'm gonna let you take this one because you're so good at explaining this. But before you do, I also think what we run into a lot is, well, you know, everybody in my family does this. Well, I've always done this. Or, well, it's never bothered me before. Or, well, you know, all three of my kids and like my nephews and niece, they all sleep with their mouths open. And so it kind of like what we always, or what, you know, we always try to really kind of look between is what's common versus what's normal. And just because things are common and we all are doing these things we're not supposed to, doesn't make it normal. And so that's kind of where we have to come in and say, okay, yeah, you know, everybody in my family does do this, but it doesn't mean it's normal or it doesn't mean that it's healthy and it's not optimal. So, um, yeah, Kimmy, do you want to take away a lot of the things that we see in patients? (laughs) We actually have a whole episode on this on our podcast. Yes, we do. Yeah, They have an amazing podcast. We'll have, we'll link that up in the show notes. (laughs) Yes. Episode one myofunctional disorders. (laughs) So the main ones are tongue thrusting, where you use your tongue to swallow. Sorry, you use your tongue pushing off your teeth to swallow, or you Mm -hmm. have to use your lips and your cheeks to swallow, which Megan and I were just talking about that because I had that growing up and I'm getting wrinkles around my lips, you guys. It's bad. <laughs> um, mouth breathing is a big one. Yeah, it's actually very unhealthy for you. Um, mm-hmm. Having a tongue tie, which you can't lift your tongue to the roof of your mouth without straining your neck or closing down. Um, we also see a lot of TMJ issues like clenching, grinding, headaches, migraines, neck tension, poor posture where you're shoulders tend to roll forward, you lean your head, or it's uncomfortable to sit up straight because you feel like you can't breathe well. Um, Mm -hmm. Other common ones are gum disease, uh, a lot of cavity risk, like you get cavities pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, those are kind of the most basic one. Or lip incompetence, like where your lips just don't want to stay together. Um, I will admit that I had that growing up. I would look exactly like Napoleon Dynamite. I would (laughs) drool while I was focusing in school and like saliva would just fall out of my mouth. So yeah, everybody has something like, I'll just throw that out there. Not everyone is perfect and we all have some sort of myofunctional issue. And the more you look into it, the more you're going to be like, 
oh my gosh, I have all the things. It is so yeah. true. I feel like we end up <laughs> going, oh, wow, I am way more dysfunctional than I thought. <laughs> and uh, what yeah. I don't want people to do is to let that create any form of anxiety for them and know that it's totally, totally fixable. And I actually find I still, it's probably been three years now since I learned myofunctional therapy and I still find myself doing exercises because they're very satisfying. It feels good when you know that you're like your body yeah. wants to move in the yeah. right way, you know? So I, I want to say there's hope mm -hmm. out there for people. You mentioned one uh, that I thought was really important for even just kids. We know kids and adults shouldn't be drooling, but a lot of people don't know that babies shouldn't mm. be drooling either. And so yeah. there's a lot of things that what I was where we're going to go a bit with this conversation for those of you who are like, where is this all going? Uh, if you're listening is I want to get into not just newborns and breastfeeding problems, but what happens beyond breastfeeding? Like what are some of the things we need to look at when mm -hmm. your baby is transitioning, you know, to solid foods, they're beginning that weaning process. They're maybe a toddler and they're beginning to speak. And, and how do we optimize that phase of, you know, baby and toddlerhood early life for our children and our babies. And so you mentioned drooling, which was a really good one because I see that a lot. And parents have these cute little bibs. They're so cute and they're soaking wet. Yeah. <laughs> and why does drooling happen? I would say like for me, it was because I had really weak lips and also mm -hmm. my lips did not know that they should be touching each other because I was always breathing through my mouth because of allergies mm. so a kid who always has their lips apart or their tongue wants to stick out between their lips uh, check them for allergies or you yeah. could do some oral exercises to strengthen their lips or Megan and I are big uh, supporters of Mayo Munchie they just came out yeah. with a baby size from six months to 18 months. Yeah, the baby. So, so Yay. It's so cute. <laughs> that is so good. I've been waiting on that for so long because I yeah. will often have parents ask me about, you know, what can I do for my one-year-old? And a lot of times it's really hard to work with that age because there's they're just not quite as verbal and getting their compliance can be super tough. So something like the Mayo Munchie is a really great option. Yeah. So, and then also just like two things here. So one with the, with the BB Munchie, um, it's right now just available to professionals. So eventually they're hoping to get it to where parents can buy it as well. But so that's something to keep in mind too, is you need to get it from a, a professional who can order that for you. Um, you know, the, the other thing I think with the drooling too, is that kind of tongue thrust swallowing pattern. So, um, you know, we swallow and I've heard a few different numbers, but you know, we swallow anywhere from like 10,000 times a day to 24,000 times a day. I've also heard like every 10 to 20 seconds we swallow. And so if we're not swallowing correctly, we're kind of pushing that saliva out of our mouth versus actually swallowing it. And so I think a lot of the drooling comes from that too, of not knowing how to actually swallow correctly. Mm, that is such a good point. Yeah. 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 So, and, and hopefully, right, with breastfeeding, hopefully the baby is swallowing properly there and we've gotten that well established. So by the time they're moving on to 
you know, solid foods or, um, you know, a lot of times though, we, we don't get the chance to intervene early with breastfeeding or bottle feeding. And so we see some issues, but one of the things I wanted to, to bring up that I get asked all the time is, you know, one, which bottle should I use for my baby? But then when should I stop using bottles? And so I usually tell parents, it's usually around the time that your baby starts solids, which depending on the baby is, is six months plus, uh, most of the time. And a lot of parents go, Whoa, that's a lot earlier than I thought. And there's just so many options on the market. And, and I don't want to lead the conversation necessarily. I'll let you take the lead, but you have some really good information on that particular area of interest for parents out there because, you know, a lot of parents are working, right? And they don't necessarily want to give a bottle longer than they need to. And they want their baby to develop these oral skills, you know, early and not be delayed in any way. So yeah, if, if, um, you know, either one of you wants to chime in, Kimmy, Megan, I know you both have things to say on the topic. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll kind of, we'll kind of go back and forth here on this one. So, um, you know, for kiddos, there's a lot of information out there talking about this stuff. Um, and to kind of just give people tools kind of just off the bat here. Um, you know, one of the kind of experts out there is Diane Barr. Um, and she wrote a book called nobody ever told me that, um, or nobody ever told me or my mother that. Um, and so she's got a lot of great information um, you know, really for this age group and kind of feeding your baby and toddler, right? So um, that's a great place that you can kind of start looking. A lot of people also like baby led weaning, um, you know, and you had brought up that kind of six month mark. Um, and that's kind of when you can start toying with and testing that like open cup type of drinking. Um, one of the big things, you know, and Kim, you can chime in on this one too, but is you want to make sure that the baby can sit up. Um, so that's one piece of the puzzle is baby needs to be able to sit up in order to do a lot of this stuff. Um, and you know, when you're kind of doing some sort of open cup drinking, um, parents or grandparents or whoever's kind of helping with the feeding needs to, you know, help hold the cup and help do that type of thing. So, you know, we all know if you hand a baby a cup, they're just going to fling it everywhere. So (laughs) that animals want to have (laughs) you want to have some control over that um but you know trying to go one sip at a time you know kind of you can even start with more of like a thicker type of liquid um so you know kind of the what is it like stage one baby food so you can even you don't have to just start with water but you can even try just like baby food or um you know one of one of the things is like formula thickened with baby cereal milk thickened with some smooth yogurt, once you can have yogurt, you know, those types of things are things that you can try. Um, and then eventually um, you can try and get them to do like consecutive swallows. That may be more kind of like a nine, you know, as they get more to like a nine plus month type of thing. Um, so that's one thing that you can always try is kind of that open, open cup. But again, you don't want to just give it to your baby and let them like try whatever they want. It has to be kind of led, you know, and led by you and really helping, helping with that piece of it. So, um, that open cup drinking, and again, an open cup is like any cup without like a sippy on it or like a lid or a straw, like just the regular cup that you drink out of. Um, 
I think you probably can get some baby types of cups too, you know, that have handles, but you know, just kind of that open mouth cup. So that really can help with the, you know, jaw development. It can help with that lips and getting the lip muscle strength that we were just talking about. Um, and then also developing those kind of cheek, cheek muscles. So sometimes you kind of like having, you know, we want the rim to sit on their bottom lip and then you kind of tilt the cup up and help the baby kind of learn how to just take those small drinks. So you do want it to be nice and small. Okay. So that's a big thing is not big gulps, not big drinks. Keep it small, just like you do with small bites of things. And that can be kind of helpful. So, um, yeah, that's, I think that's probably where, where I would start. So, you know, one tablespoon, I think at a time, is that right, Kimmy? Yeah. Tablespoon. It's kind of, or teaspoon. Tablespoon. I think that's what it is. So yeah, no, that, that sounds so good. I think sometimes yeah. you're yeah. eager yeah. to jump to the next milestone. Yeah. That was some weird feedback. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Um, um, but yeah, that's okay. But yeah, we're eager to jump to the next milestone, but we have to remember this is something they've never done before, right? So we have yeah. to ease our way into it. And it's, mm -hmm. I try to, when it comes to breastfeeding, I try to remind parents, like when your baby starts breastfeeding, there's a reason why you don't have a full milk supply in the first few days. You have these tiny, tiny, small amounts of colostrum for your baby to practice the suckling and get the swallow coordinated somewhat before they're inundated with all this massive milk being thrown at them. So it's kind of the same thing when we're making this transition to other liquids or solids. So just a reminder for the parents out there. And then the way you were describing the cups, um, there's one, I don't know if you guys have used it, but um, a lactation consultant and, and myofunctional therapist friend of mine recommended one called the Doidy cup. And I will link that up since it's an audio show, but um, it'll be in the show notes, a link to it for parents so they can see. It's small. It's got handles on each side, but it's angled. So the mm -hmm. cup is going to go over that lower lip very easily, but then there's kind of a, the top is angled so that the part that would be near the baby's nose isn't going to be right up against the nose. Mm -hmm. um, so I do like that one. I'll link that one up if you you know, feel free to list any brands or anything. And I know, Kimmy, you wanted to chime in about some things as well. Yes. So we pulled our network of <laughs> myofunctional therapists online and the parent reviews were um, that the ARC therapy cup was pretty good. It's like a, what's it called? The ARC Therapeutics Flexi Cup. It's an open cup with an area cut out for the nose. One of our friends did that around seven months old. Um, the other one that they liked um, was the Easy Peasy Mini Cup. Now, a really popular one is called the 360 Cup, and that one actually is not recommended by speech-language pathologists. This is a post by Melanie Podick. Um, she's got a, a group called My Munchbug, and I'm just going to read her post about that. It says, so many questions from parents about the 360 cup. Let's be honest, we've all bought them, but after watching toddlers drink from a 360, 
and paying close attention to the motor patterns and muscle flexion and or bracing, oh my, I think I'll just skip it. Why? Because kids do best with feeding tools that create muscle balance. We want facial muscles to work collaboratively with one another because those adorable faces are growing. The skull and facial bones are growing, the muscles are growing, the whole body is growing. Imagine if a toddler overused one muscle in their arm. Would it impact motor skills in the arm or perhaps even bone growth? Possibly. My point, I don't want kids drinking from anything that creates a quirky way of drinking. I want kids drinking from open cups and straw cups that are developmentally appropriate and support typical development. <clears throat> I have, however, used the 360 cup as a tool to help kids learn to hold their tongue in the correct position for open cup drinking. And then there's a YouTube about that. Awesome. That is so informative because I feel like the 360 cup has gotten really popular, um, but it can be something that requires, like you said, those, mm -hmm. those muscles working in a way we don't want them to work in. And yeah, Melanie Podic has some amazing information out there and she has a book as well. I think um, I will have to link that up or, or any way to get in touch and follow her on anything as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I have read quite a bit from Diane Barr, like you mentioned at the beginning of the episode and others about sippy cups and they're so pervasive. You can buy them at pretty much any store. What is the problem with sippy cups? So many parents say, well, you know, I don't want things to spill. That's great. You're right. telling me about the open cup. Why can't I use a sippy cup? Yeah. Um, you know, the idea is we really want, so we don't want to spout. Okay. So that's kind of, and that's really what the sippy cups bring to the cable is you kind of have that spout. So you're kind of sucking everything in versus like actually drinking and getting that right tongue function. So, um, you know, yeah, I mean, we, we live in such a world of convenience, right. These days. And that's what is really like, I think sometimes plays against us is we're always on the go you know, we hand our, we hand our kids those like, you know, uh, applesauce pouches. And again, it's like, they're sucking, they're sucking everything out. So they're kind of sucking their cheeks in. Um, and they're not actually getting kind of that natural tongue swallowing and reflux that's happening is we're using the lips and the cheeks, basically overworking them to, you know, basically just get food or drinks down into the stomach, but not actually working on those correct swallowing muscles. So, you know, we want the tongue to do all of that swallowing because that's what really helps grow the facial structures and grow the jaw and, you know, not overuse or compensate with those lips and those cheeks. And so those are the things that, um, you know, any sort of sucking or type of thing can really slow down, kind of slow down that process for lack of right order to create kind of those bad habits. So we don't want that spout. We want babies drinking from a rim is really what it comes down to. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Um, because also to compare it to breastfeeding, when a baby has a good functional latch and is suckling at the breast appropriately, their mouth is open, it is wide, the tongue is cupping the breast. It is extending over the lower gums. As they get older, it really starts to, uh, we start to see it extending over the lower lip. So we don't want to suddenly have 
the tongue doing something totally different. Breastfeeding should be setting the stage for oral development. We don't want to push them backwards no. the opposite direction. And if your baby's been a really great breastfeeder, they may really struggle with something like a sippy cup. Um, if they've had problems with breastfeeding, they may like it, but we still don't want to reinforce those patterns. And, you know, just for the sake of eloquence, uh, you read something, a beautiful post there to share, Kimmy. And I wanted to read this one from Rose, who has a blog called Because They Grow. It's Pediatric Speech Language and Feeding Therapy. And she wrote about sippy cups and those um, food pouches, which, like you said, Megan, you know, this world of convenience where we just, here's the pouch and you hand it to him in the back seat and, and all of that. And what Rose said was that from a therapeutic standpoint, uh, these are her words, I cringe at seeing all the little mouths sucking away on sippy cups that cause tongue thrust or a reversed swallow, the next generation of lispers in the making. A mm. sippy cup while looking at a cup is nothing more than a public, publicly acceptable version of a bottle which I, I think that is actually a fair comparison. Mm -hmm. um, I do too. Yeah. Like I think she nailed it. She yeah. really nailed it. I'm like, yeah, it's basically yeah. still creating a babyish thing for our children. Right. But I see five-year-olds with them. So yeah. uh, then she went on to say, if it has a valve, it's simply continuing to promote a sucking pattern that the bottle started. Uh, mm -hmm. The child's tongue is not learning a neutral position that encourages a symmetrical palate and appropriate position for speech articulation. Instead, the tongue is habitually pushing forward much like it did when nursing or bottle drinking, which I would argue it's not supposed to be when you're nursing, but <laughs> that's okay. Mm -hmm. And then she said, and fuck sucking food from a bag, more of the same. So I think she really summed that up that we're really just trying to sort of normalize this bottle feeding kind of, you know, pattern. And that's something we're trying to get them away from, you know, when they are ready for solids. Yeah. Well, and I think so many times too, you know, I see, yeah, I end up with, you know, adults, I see a lot of adult patients, but, or even kiddos, you know, in their, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, however old. And, um, parents will be like, well, or even just like adults will be like, well, why, like, why did this happen? And I'm like, well, we should be chewing our food, you know, 15 to 20 times before we swallow. When have you ever done that in your life? Like, <laughs> you know, like we live in an Oops. industrial, yeah, right. I mean, same, um, you know, we live in an industrialized society and we live in, you know, we're not chewing our food like we're supposed to. So we're not growing our jaws like we're supposed to. And then we get the crowded teeth. Our tongue doesn't know what to do and everything just kind of like, snowballs from from there so you know it's so good to chew your food and then be able to learn how to swallow correctly and so that's kind of where all of this starts is with being able to you know get our tongues to learn in that neutral position and learn how to swallow versus just continuing on this kind of sucking tongue thrusting type of um, convenience really yeah. No, I, I so agree. And I think I, I get this question from a lot of the families I work with where they'll say sure. we've done. Yeah. And, and they'll say we've done the tongue tie release. We've done lip tie release. We've done all the oral exercises you gave us. So, you know, we're not going to have our child won't have speech issues or ever need orthodontics. Right. And I'm like, well, you know, there's a lot of factors. Uh, it's not just doing those things in, you know, early infancy and, 
there's all these other things that affect their oral development and, you know, cups and solids and speech. And I try to remind parents, especially, I remember this being a new mom, that you're trying to shovel calories in your face as fast as you can before the baby wakes up or cries or needs to be held again. And so I remember getting really away from chewing my food properly and things like that, or I would grab a bite, way too much food in my mouth, so then I, I can't even properly chew it. And I'm just sort of gulping it down and chugging water after. And, you know, we're mm -hmm. all guilty of that at some point in our lives. But we have to remember that our babies learn so much about the world from observation. And when you're doing that, if you're, let's say your baby's sitting in the high chair or you're holding them and you're eating and they're watching you and they're watching your facial muscles so closely, so intricately. And when they start to coo and babble and make sounds, they look to you and they're imitating you. So one of the best things I feel like we can do as parents is to take a moment, slow down, be really conscious of, are we choosing, chewing with our lips closed? Are we chewing enough? Are we doing all those things? And not only will you just feel better and probably stop a lot of the indigestion or <laughs> hiccuping or even gas after your meals, all that yeah. kind of stuff, but it's going to help your baby out too. And I just wanted to share that because I sometimes get parents just, you know, telling me that, you know, I'm like, well, how's your diet? And they're like, well, you know, I shoveled a granola bar in my mouth before I got here. And I'm like, Great. That's awesome. I'm glad you got calories, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's so true. I mean, kids totally like they're total imitators in like sometimes the like most precious ways. And sometimes you're like, dang, you saw me do that. Now you did it. It's terrible. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, how many times have you heard parents be like, oh yeah, that's my child. Right. And it's because they are such imitators. So and I yes. almost I still think there's families out there um, who, you know, sit down to their meals together, but you know, how many families are out there too, who it's like, this kid's got soccer practice. This kid has band practice. This kid's at dance. Like we're, we're not sitting down for a family dinner. We're not all sitting down, chewing our food, putting our phones away and just like enjoying a meal. It's like, we're just shoving calories in our mouths so we can like move on. So I think that yeah. is something that's a pretty big shift in just kind of the world that we live in too. I mean, I'm guilty of it. My family's guilty of it. Like, <laughs> you know, I think this time has really encouraged a lot of people to slow down. Um, and so I think a lot of people are also noticing more of like what their kids are doing. They're like, oh, I've never noticed that my kid just sits there with their mouth open all the time. Or I never noticed that like, you know, my kid is this much of a picky eater or, you know, those types of things. So I think people are starting to notice that more and more as well. I know I would agree with you. And I think it's really important that we do make time to be more intentional with our eating, that they're, it's not just getting a need met. It's actually a process. And I feel like I encounter this so much with the parents that I work with where moms will be like, oh, you know, I'm just chained on my couch. I'm stuck there breastfeeding. And I'm like, breastfeeding isn't just like a transfer of food. Like, yeah, you could get it out with a pump in 10 minutes and then give it to your baby in a bottle and they could drink it in 10 minutes. But, but breastfeeding is something to be experienced and it's so much more than food. And likewise, any mealtime can really be much more than food and it's, it's behavior. It's, it's emotional regulation. We get you know, if, if we're eating well and it's releasing endorphins and oxytocin, the act of swallowing can be very calming, then mm -hmm. we help create an emotional state regulation. We're sitting still, we're 
you know, making eye contact and engaging with others. There's so much more we could be doing at a mealtime. I think it's important. And I also want to impress upon parents that, you know, I think a big objection to people really feeling like I can't use anything but a sippy cup too, is that we're allowing our children to have foods and beverages away from tables. And so, you know, it's one thing when you're on a road trip in the car, right? You may want some water to refresh yourself, but I've always sort of been like, my mind is blown uh, a little bit when I see these, you know, minivans with, you know, Kool-Aid stains all over. And I'm like, who the heck lets their kid have Kool-Aid in the car? Because I just, I just, I'll let my kids have water, of course. And water should be the primary fluid that you are giving once we're, right. you know, talking about not being breastfed or whatever, but, or, or formula fed. But it's like, does everything have to be eaten on the go? Or can we teach our kids a little bit, and babies, we have to meet their needs, right? They're babies, right. but- Right. A little bit of delayed gratification or this is the place where eating and drinking happens. This is the place where play happens. This is the play where nap happens. They don't all have to, it's like chaotic when we don't have designated spaces for things. And this is kind of like a Montessori concept. So if anyone wants to listen to my interview I did with parenting expert, John Marie Paynell, we talk about this, but um, I did want to talk about uh, Kimmy, especially, I know you have some information on this about straw cups because yes, yeah. sometimes there's a need, right? Sometimes, yes, yeah. we're going to be at the park or wherever or in the car and they're thirsty. And so what is the, uh, what is the option for not open cup? And you talked about straw cups briefly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this comes from Diane Barr about straw drinking. And she says it's particularly important for jaw, lip, and cheek development. You can start around six months. And the child will learn to drink from a straw bottle. Um, the really popular one right now is called the Honey Bear. And you can buy it on Talk Tools online. It's like $7.99. And it's got a straw. You put the straw on the lips, but not on the tongue. And that encourages the baby to wrap their lips around it and to swallow and drink. And over time, they can do like swallow after swallow. Um, the important thing was not to put the, the straw on the tongue because that will encourage improper swallow. Um, or you can cut the straw down so the babies don't put it too far back. Or there's also things called a lip bumper you can put on there just so they don't put it too far into their mouth. Um, Ooh, so that's a yeah. good option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds really great. And yeah, who doesn't love a cute little like honey bear? And if anyone's wondering, what does that mean, honey bear straw cup? Just if you buy a bottle of honey and it's in the little plastic bear shape, it's basically that with a lid and a straw on it, essentially. So your kid is going to love it, I promise. Yeah, and it also recommended putting, um, if it's hard for them at first, to just put thickened up liquid. So like, baby food thinned with water or things like that. Basically, you're trying to get them to wrap their lips and then to swallow normally versus like if you did an experiment right now, you had a soda. If you put the straw too far back, you're going to tongue thrust swallow on it versus if you just bring it forward a little, keep your lips together, then you can use your palate to swallow. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everyone go and try that right now. Yeah. <laughs> Got your ice Starbucks in the car with you, ladies. Yeah. Right. <laughs> While you're listening, try it out. 
I think this actually leads me into a question that might be one listeners are thinking of too, which is, okay, I get the cup thing. Great. Thank you for the resources. I know what to buy and, and I've got some excellent tips. What about foods? Do, what about spoons? How do we go about that? What, what's good? What's bad? There's so much more research out there now. There's so many people that have really just gone so in depth like yourselves to you know, work with kids in this way. How do we get our kids fed when they're ready for something other than formula or breast milk? Um, you know, so much of it, I think, comes back to again that like that mimicking thing right so um and baby led weaning tends to be a pretty like popular resource for that as well um and you know just letting kids try a bunch of different things i mean we all know at some point you're going to have to do some spoon feeding we're going to have to you know no baby's perfect no scenarios perfect um and, you know, you want to be able to make sure the baby can wrap the um, lips around the spoon, use the lips to pull that food onto the tongue, um, and be able to, you know, kind of uh, versus kind of suck it off the tongue or like lick, you know, how sometimes kids like to lick spoons. Um, you want to be able to use those lips, pull that off the, uh, pull it off the spoons, and then we can get that correct swallow. So, um, Kimmy, what else do you want to add on that? Yeah, I'm just thinking back to like, I grew up in a big family of like, we have seven of us in our family. So the older ones partly raised the younger ones. And so I just took all that information watching my mom. And then when I became older and I would go volunteer at an orphanage in Thailand, I just would do those same things that my mom did. But my mom would just take a big old spoonful, put it in the baby's mouth. And the baby would spit it out and then she'd wipe it off and then put it back in. But you actually, the recommendation is to let the baby kind of get it off with their lips. And then if it's dirty, try to have them try to lick it off. So they're using their facial muscles and their lip muscles more. Um, the other thing I just thought about it while we were talking is like one of my passions is to go to Thailand and I volunteer at this orphanage in Northern Thailand. And those little babies are so resilient. They'll be like a year old and cup feeding themselves. And it's a little messy, but they can do it. And it's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think same thing with even starting to work in solid foods and stuff. Like, yeah, you know, don't give your child like a giant, like, you know, carrot that they can choke on. But, you know, cutting up in those small pieces. And again, I think it really comes down to like watching your kids watching them chew, you know, and, you know, watching, just see what they're doing with those, you know, with those particular things, because again, you know, we want them to chew their food a bunch and we, you know, not rushing them to just because we're trying to get from A to B, like their meals are just going to take longer and, you know, and that's okay. Yeah. That's a really good point that you've made. And I remember, uh, sort of with my second, uh, you know, second babies, you're less, you know, hyper and anxious about so many things. And I remember just, you know, breastfeeding her and, and, you know, I would be out and about with my son who was a toddler and he would want a snack and I'd give him a snack. And I remember one day, you know, my daughter was maybe seven months old or eight months old. And, you know, we had, she had been eating solids and things. And I didn't think to bring a snack for her. Cause I just thought, you know, she breastfeeds. Right. 
and we were at this park and I tried to nurse her and she was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. And she was reaching for her brother's food. And I was like, oh geez, I totally forgot that you like eat food now <laughs> and that you might need something else. Um, and so it is important that we start to make that time, right? Like you're saying, and, um, you know, I had like goldfish crackers or something that were totally not appropriate to give her. And, uh, I thought, well, yeah, that's right. I need to make time. I can't just leave the house on a whim. I need to make sure that I'm making sure this baby gets fed. And, you know, I think a lot of parents have some fear, like a lot of parents want to do baby led weaning, but then either they've heard something or they have fears about, you know, like I just said about goldfish crackers would not have been a good choice. Um, and obviously there are much better choices like we've talked about, but you know, for the parents out there who are like, well, you know, what about choking, you know? And so they sometimes prolong purees and how, how long should purees or mashed foods be used? And then, you know, if there is a concern about choking and gagging, what are some of those issues? How can we address those, Kimmy? Well, if there's choking and gagging, of course, like some things are just not age appropriate, right? But sometimes that baby has a tongue tie. And if it's not super obvious to the parent, it could be what's called a posterior tongue tie. So kids that are constantly spitting out food, packing it in their cheeks, gagging and choking often should be probably, you know, evaluated by someone for a posterior tongue tie. Mm, yeah. 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 Um, you know, and then also just kind of keep track of, uh, you know, keep track of what you're, what you're feeding them, keep track of how big the bites are. But yeah, a lot of times the choking, the gagging, the spitting up, all, you know, all of that type of stuff will a lot of times be some sort of tongue tie, which, you know, is, it's such a trippy, like tricky topic because a lot of pediatricians either aren't specialized or they aren't, you know, well-trained in that area. And there's also a lot of dentists, ENTs, um, other, you know, specialists who are also aren't well-trained in it. So it is worth saying that you need to find somebody who is well-trained, who has done the research. You know, uh, Richard Baxter wrote the book Tongue-Tied. He talks a ton about babies in particular. And so even just going to his book Tongue-Tied or his website, there's a lot of resources there to where you could look and see, okay, what, is my baby struggling with these things? Or is my toddler struggling with these things? And you know, what can I do about it? So it does get dismissed a lot, but it is a real thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, these kids turn into, you know, five, six, seven-year-olds who are picky eaters, who are texture aversion, don't like things because of how they feel in their mouth. And um, a lot of times it's because there's been some sort of tongue tie that's been missed. Mm -hmm. so, like you know, Megan and I, we are both here to tell you that posterior tongue ties exist because we have them. Yes. <laughs> I had mine released at almost 30 and Megan is having her done hers done this week at yes. 30. At 30. <laughs> oh, so yeah. exciting. Yeah. Next Thursday I'm going to fly to LA to see Dr. Zagi. So oh. uh, yeah, very, very excited about that. And I'll tell you, I was a colicky baby. I um also I've never liked like tomatoes because I don't like their texture. Um, you know, I wasn't like an extremely picky eater, but somewhat of a picky eater. And 
a lot of times it was texture based and um you know so and then you know even as an adult i've had a lot of issues with like acid reflux and that type of thing so um you know those are just kind of some really brief food signs but a lot of times you're picky eaters you're messy eaters mm -hmm. oh you're kids who just cannot chew with their mouths closed, um, who end up with so much food all over their face and all over their clothes. Um, a lot of times those are kids who, you know, kind of struggle with some eating issues as well. So I yes. would say definitely look out for the tongue tie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wanted to maybe share an example of what you're talking about um, with a good friend of mine um, who shall remain anonymous, but um they became my clients because we were at a basketball game one night and, and the dad was, uh, he's, he's a physician, but, but not a pediatrician. And he said, you know, I cannot get my son. I think he was six at the time to eat anything other than chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I looked at his son and he has just very, very narrow face. The kid's very skinny, kind of had some dark circles under his eyes. Mm -hmm. And I said, does he snore? And he's like, yeah, how'd you know? And I was like, just, just to guess, he's like, no, like, why would you, how would you know? Are you like the medical medium? I'm like, no, I just looked at his face and I'm like, I bet you he's tongue tied. And he was like, what is that? And so sure enough, you know, we looked in his mouth. He's got this crazy high palate and the mm. shortest tongue tie. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't even like a millimeter, maybe that this kid could move his tongue. It was so but. shocking. Right. And then his, you know, adenoids were a bit swollen and things. And what was so funny was when I had first met the the mom, it must have been first or second time where we started chatting and she was telling me how she breastfed her kids till they were three and this and that. And I'm going, how in the world did you breastfed this breastfeed him till he was three? Yeah. Thank goodness she did. But you know, here he is three years later after he's weaned and he can only handle these very soft foods, right? And just had such a small nasal airway where he was having to chew with his mouth open because couldn't having food in his mouth, he couldn't breathe, right? So he had to breathe through his mouth and chew at the same time. And it's exhausting to try to do that. And then he's snoring at night and all these things. So, you know, actually it's, it's a great story because I ended up doing myofunctional therapy with, with the boy and his older brother who'd been in speech therapy for like three years and, uh, ultimately got the ties released. They're doing palate expansion, all the things and, you know, happier kid being able to sit still in school can eat lots of different foods now can chew properly. They were able to put the boys in an etiquette class where they learned <laughs> how to eat properly, which was so great, but they couldn't do those things before. And I think sometimes yeah. when our kids are older, we start to think, well, maybe it's just because he's a boy, he's a messy eater, or, you know, my kid doesn't listen to me, or they're distracted. And it's like, mm -hmm. our kids, much like babies, yes, kids can to some degree be manipulative. But a lot of the times when we and I see behavioral problems, or I hear about them, I'm like, well, is it a behavior problem? Or is it like a physiological problem? Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, so much I think you know, like you said, you were a colicky baby, right? But yeah. it wasn't because you just made your mom miserable. Right. I wasn't on purpose. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think, actually, I think that's such a good point, Jacqueline. And uh, actually, Dr. Dr. Baxter talks about this in his uh, Tongue Tied Academy course. I don't know if he does in the book, but um, Kimmy, you may remember this. Kimmy and I both took that course. Um, and he said, sometimes we put like personality traits mm -hmm. onto actual symptoms, you know, like, oh, they're just, 
a picky eater or, oh, they can't pay attention to anything or, oh, it's like you assign almost like a personality trait to an actual symptom versus being like, well, wait, is this behavior because they can't breathe? Like they're hyperactive because they don't sleep at night or they're a picky eater actually because they can't move their tongue and so they can't chew their food like they're supposed to or, mm-hmm. you know, oh, they're just a bedwetter because they're like a bad kid or, you know, they just- Or they're going through stress. Yeah, or they're they're going through something and it's like, no, these are actual symptoms of these type of myofunctional disorders and it's not a personality trait, you know, because you even said like that, you know, this this kiddo you're working with could pay attention in class more, Um, you know, it's probably less of a- uh, distraction to the other kids and all of a sudden it's because that he was sleeping well and he could focus and he could breathe not because he's a bad kid or you know just like a rebel rouser it's because he like couldn't breathe yeah. <laughs> and I'll, you know we'll see that a lot too with kiddos is you know they when they're little like their parents would be like yeah they were kind of a bully to their siblings or they were you know and it's like well they're not a bully they couldn't breathe (laughs) again you know kind of putting these personality traits onto kids when really like they're just trying to tell you or their bodies are trying to tell you that something else is going on Mm, yeah I love that I think that's a really good message for for parents who maybe are first-time parents who are listening who have a baby and they're concerned about you know you know, parenting in these later years, or they do have some older children and they're wondering, you know, now it's even more stressful because they have a baby too. And they're just trying to, you know, manage the household and they're seeing some of these issues crop up. So it's really good that we're talking about these. And Kimmy, you had said something important too, which is, you know, sometimes a lot of these things are tongue ties. uh, And sometimes it's more than tongue tie. Maybe it's also allergies or sometimes it's only allergies or or other mm-hmm. things like allergies are always something to look into because yeah, if our noses time. are congested, you know, everybody yeah. knows when you have a cold and you can't taste your food, that's not very fun, right? No. So, uh, which, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> funny I'm saying that in the times of COVID because those are some of those symptoms, but <laughs> I know. all <laughs> been there. Don't right? say that out don't, loud. Don't panic. Don't panic. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, yeah. And I think too, so sometimes I'll tell, like, there's kind of like a bunch of different causes when it comes to these malfunctional disorders, but, um, you know, one of them is that like, can you actually breathe through your nose? So I tell people when they, like, they feel bad or they're like, Oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. And I'm like, well, okay. So you have two options. If you can't breathe through your nose, you have two options. One, breathe through your mouth or two, die. Like, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing else you could do, right? Until we can get you breathing through your nose. And actually being able to do that stuff, like, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. I, I, one of the big things, and I think I really want to, like, hopefully get this point across is, like, if there are new parents out there, you know, parents with, like, multiple kids out there, like, never feel guilty if you didn't pick up on some of this stuff right when the baby was out of the womb. Like, we don't know what we don't know. And the fact that you're learning now, you're picking up on these things now, you're researching this stuff now is great. You know, like I think every, I have three sisters. I think both my parents and every single one of my sisters is tongue-tied. And, you know, I'm the only one who's ever, you know, because of what I do have like noticed that, right. You know, and my mom's, you know, at one point my mom's like, well, I didn't know what I'm like, mom, I would have never expected you to know. But now that we know, you know, we can do things, we can do things about it. Like I can do something about 
my clenching and grinding. I can do something about my headaches. I can do something about my acid reflux. And, um, you know, I'm never upset at my parents for what they didn't know, you know? So I hope other parents can like give themselves some kind of like grace within that too of you don't know what you don't know. And so whenever you learn it and you put it out there and you like start helping your kids, no matter how old they are, I think it's great. That is just so words of wisdom. Absolutely. And I think, uh, for, I went through a phase like that, like, Oh, I can't believe, you know, I wish I would have known. And I hear that so often, even when it comes to breastfeeding issues, Oh, I should have seen you sooner. And I'm like, well, you know, you're here now. And so that's all we can do. And you both are just so, I mean, this is just scratching the surface on what the two of, of these wonderful women know, but I know there will be people who are listening like, okay, well, how do I work with, if my child does have a tongue thrust or has mm-hmm. a tongue tie or whatever, what do I do? How do I work with someone that's as knowledgeable as you? And you both do work online, not just yeah. because of COVID. So mm-hmm. I would love if you each took a moment to just tell our listeners more about working with you. How do they get a hold of you? And of course, I'll link everything up in the show notes for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So, um, I, so just kind of full disclosure, I usually work with kiddos kind of five and up, um, anymore. I specialize even more so in like adults. Uh, but Kimmy is our, um, like we call it mini Mayo. So that like four and under, she's kind of become our, our expert in that. Um, but you know, for your, you know, for your kiddos, even if like you're an adult, you're like, crap, this is me. Um, I, uh, my website is www.oralfacialmyology.com. My practice is called Northwest Myofunctional Therapy. Um, so you can contact me through that. No problem. Uh, you know, you can always find me on Instagram as well or Facebook. So we're all on social media. You could also contact us through our uh, our Munch Bunch podcast Instagram as well. So uh, that's kind of the best way to get a hold of me. And then for Kimmy, I'll let you say your stuff. Okay. <laughs> um, my website is www.mouthmusclememory.com. And you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook and our Munch Bunch Mile podcast. Uh, you can find it on Anchor, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, basically all the main Spotify. Yeah, all mm-hmm. the main podcasting sites. Um, we do lots of different things. Um, so far, our most popular episodes are about what is a myofunctional disorder or like things that can go wrong with your mouth. Mm-hmm. We have a theory, Megan and I, that most of your dental problems actually come from myofunctional disorders. Yeah. So let that marinate for a second here. <laughs> <laughs> All your clenching, oh grinding, receding gums, gum disease, decay, it probably has something to do with that struggling in the dental chair feeling like you can't breathe and get your teeth cleaned at the same time or if like your hygiene is always like move your tongue move your tongue like (laughs) gagging on the x-rays yeah yes yeah it all comes back to that because we're dealing with your mouth your breathing your tongue uh which translates into your airway so Mm -hmm. that's kind of uh what we do and like megan just said i am the mini Mayo person. So someone uh, that wants to contact us, 
um, they would come to me for consultation and therapy if needed or referral to someone else like Jacqueline. We like to send people to her if it's a question about babies or breastfeeding issues. We like to send them on to Jacqueline. Yeah. And even, so even if patients contact me and their kiddos four and under, I usually just tell them that Kimmy's my, my mini myo girl and send them that direction too. So we all work together. Um, I think it's really, really important to work kind of in collaboration with other people to have this like cohesive, um, environment because you know, we're all one piece of the puzzle. Um, and we all kind of play a role within that. So I think it's really important to work, you know, with other professionals, you know, I don't know it all. Kimmy doesn't know it all. Um, but you know, we, we do know really great people who can help. Like if you have that high narrow palate in your six-year-old, like I'm not going to expand your teeth for you, but I know a great early intervention airway orthodontist who can, you know, we're not going to come to your house and release your tongue ties, but we know, (laughs) you know, we know some great dentists and ENTs. So we're just one piece of the puzzle. Um, and I think that's really important to remember as you're trying to work with professionals. Um, so, you know, and then also, you know, Kimmy does, she's not just our mini mile girl. She does work with all ages as well. So, um, you know, we have, we have my, I think my oldest patient is like mid sixties. So, uh, I think I've even had a seven year old reach out once, but, um, so you're never too old and you're honestly, you're never too young. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, those are such great points. And I do want to encourage people. Don't be afraid of like reaching out to the wrong person. If, if we can't help you, we will send you to someone who will. And if you, it certainly won't be one of us, but I know sometimes, there are unfortunately professionals out there who don't ever send you to someone else and they just say, well, I can't help you. And you're like, okay, well, so, um, yeah. like you can. <laughs> uh, so just don't be afraid to ask, you know, sometimes they're busy and they forget to say that. So say, well, okay, I understand that you're not the right person. Do you have someone you would recommend? And yeah. just, we will all try to get you pointed in the right direction. I know so much of the time I'm just connecting people with, you know, another IBCLC in their area or a dentist or, you know, one of you. So, you know, please, yeah. please reach out. And, and for those of you who are listening going, well, I think that my baby, you know, my three month old is having some of these issues. Um, you know, that's where I come in. So I don't want people to feel alone. Like you have to wait until your child's older to work with Kimmy or Megan or someone like them. You know, there are lactation consultants like myself who are trained in these myofunctional techniques for babies who are breastfeeding too. So, yeah. and, and we do know a lot about bottle feeding, by the way. So it's not just breastfeeding necessarily, but you want to optimize the infant feeding. So that sets the stage for them to be, you know, doing better in all these other phases of feeding and life and all of that. So if anyone needs help with, you know, a consultation or exercises, I ha- I'm happy to do that with folks online or send you to someone else who might be local to you. So Yeah. Well, I love everything you guys have said. Any last thoughts, something that you want to leave our listeners with that maybe we didn't get to? Gosh, I feel like we covered everything and then some. I don't know. Kimmy was probably. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's pretty much it. I just like wanted to drop one last little token of knowledge here. Um, There's an awesome book that just came out called Breath by James Nestor. Oh, yes. There's also like interviews and podcasts, but he talks about how if we don't chew, properly or if we're not using our muscles like we've been talking about this whole time our jaws don't develop 
So Mm -hmm. he's got studies about how the human face has shrunk because of dysfunctional muscles and also like how we breathe. So Mm -hmm. check that out too. It's called Breath by James Nestor. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. 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 There's a ton of great books and resources. We've dropped a few different names, Um, you know, for kids, uh, Larry Kotlow has a good one too. I think it's SOS for tots or tots for SOS. Um, But, you know, so for kiddos and babies, there's a ton of great resources out there. So the other thing you can always do is you can find kind of your local areas, either tongue tie support or baby tongue tie support or malfunctional therapy support group and ask a lot of questions on there too. There's a lot of great professionals who can give feedback. Yes, that is so true. And for anyone who's listened and and probably thought, well, I'm going to go back and take notes, or maybe you've been taking notes, don't worry. I am going to link up all of these books, all of these products. I've been taking notes as we've gone. Um, Most of these will be Amazon links because that seems to be where people buy things these days. So (laughs) if it's not available on Amazon, I've definitely got the link for you. So if you're listening going, what was the name of that cup or whatever, you don't have to go back and listen to the episode. Just check out the show notes. So thank you both, Kimmy and Megan, for sharing your expertise and your experience with us today. It's been so valuable to have you both on the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Jacqueline. Did you know most moms stop breastfeeding in the first month postpartum? I believe succeeding at breastfeeding means having the right mindset. In fact, studies show that the number one factor that determines breastfeeding success is commitment, which is why I've created my incredible audio download of breastfeeding affirmations, where I give you actionable mantras so you can breastfeed your baby with confidence and peace of mind. And best of all, it's free. To get access to this audio and PDF, simply visit holisticlactation.com slash mantras and you can get started right now.